everyone. It's Sarah, and it's that time of year again. It's August, and I have a book out at the end of the month. Knockout is the third book in my Hell's Bells series. If you've been following along, this one is Imogen, the explosives expert and chaos monster, would we call her? (laughs) And uh, Detective Inspector Thomas Peck. Um, who basically is the historical evidence that thick thighs save lives. Um, It's a bodyguard romance, but the big question is who is really guarding who here? As you can imagine, Imogen is not very good at staying still or keeping safe. And when you're around her, I guess keeping safe isn't really something easy for Tommy either. You can pre-order Knockout wherever you get your books. I'm very, very grateful to all of you for listening to the podcast every week and extra grateful for those of you who are willing to take a risk on my books once a year. Thanks so much. And now on with the show. Jen, the, the sound is better today. I know. We're back. back. You're back. I've been the I'm same back. place. Eric's not going to be mad anymore about, I don't know, sea air. <laughs> just He's ruins the, all the sound. Listen, this is the only person in the world who's like, damn it, why are we on vacation? Because the sound on the podcast is real bad. Well, it did sound not as good, Sarah. You sounded a little echoey. It's fine. It didn't sound as good. I'm sorry, everyone, for the last two weeks. I apologize if we seemed unprofessional. But I mean, we were pretty professional. Listen, that divorce episode was great. I don't care how, how I sounded. I thought it was good, too. <laughs> You know, where I'm always like, I'm everybody, what you need to know is the minute we stop recording, I'm always like, oh, my God, that was terrible. I don't know if we even talked about anything interesting. No. And everybody was worried about it. Eric was like, you're what? You're doing an episode on what? Nobody's going to want to listen to that. Listen, we were great. And then I listened to it and I was like, oh, no, this is fine. Sarah, we are like the very definition of A plus no notes. <laughs> <laughs> that man who produces this podcast has notes every damn time. <laughs> He's like C minus some notes. <laughs> At listen, here's the truth. Every once in a while, Eric just sends. So, as you all know from prior episodes, the uh, Eric participation in the Fate of Mates group chat is limited to word count. Like it's like sure. under texts have to be under five words from him, or like include <laughs> not graph. because we don't want to hear from him, but because he's just not that interested in speaking to us. But um. Every once in a while, he'll just drop one note into the group chat, and it says, uh, that was a good episode. And I feel like, I know, I'm so ashamed of myself. I'm like, patriarchy. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so amazed. I know. It's like in Ted Lasso when Beard says, hmm, that's a good a good sports drink. Good drink. Yes. You're like, oh, my gosh. Ted's like, oh, what? <laughs> oh. Gosh, amazing. Anyway, so don't nobody tell him though that we're that we're drawn to those those moments that we like. That we feedback. just told him. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you've seen Barbie yet, but you and Eric did beach for a month and but now you're back home. Uh I'm taking my daughter to see it on Tuesday. Fun. You will understand that joke more in a couple days then. Ken's job is beach. Like Ken's not, job is beach. Like, like it's, <laughs> of course. Like that's just what he talks about. He's like, I told you there'd Listen, be beach here. I mean, I have tried amazing. really hard to like stay away from Barbie discourse. Because I know I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, but I did. I have seen, of course, some of the unhinged right wing ladies. Oh, who are like Barbie's really bad for men. <laughs> so <laughs> the idea that Ken's job is beach 
perfect. It's so A+. great. Yeah, you're going to enjoy it. I, I think you will enjoy it. So listen, I have some bad news, Jen. Oh, boy. I know. Get ready. Strap okay. in. So I went to the beach. And we were uh, with my sister for the the month she we were we were at her house, um, and she drill sergeants her mm. way around the neighborhood every morning <laughs> on a two mile walk, and she like I was like I'm going to do this with her, and I did I did it with her every day for like 29 days, and I am very sorry to report that it you made feel me great. better. <laughs> God, the worst. So then I got back to New York and it was 20 and it was 96 degrees for two days straight. And I was like, well, I'm not going to drill sergeant my way around Brooklyn for two miles in 96 degree heat. I'm sorry. I'm just not. But this morning I woke up and it was 66 degrees and I took a two mile walk. And you feel great. And I feel like I have achieved so much. (laughs) Amazing. For the record, I have done zero things. Other you went than for a two walk. mile walk with your dog. I know. And like the reality is that what they say about exercise is true, and I hate it. <laughs> so, very sorry to report, everyone. Believe the hype. <laughs> All right. We'll save some more thoughts of vacations maybe for our next banter plus episode because I'm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know. I don't really do a vacation. I did go to Nashville, everybody, last week, and I. Oh, yeah. It was you super hot. That was it not was, great. Listen, it was brutally hot. Jen was attacked by hot chicken. And I had hot chicken, which I very much enjoyed when it went down. Nashville is right in the name. Nashville not enjoy when I came back up later that night. So oh, anyway, no, terrible. I don't want to get into it, but it no, was a bummer. Kate Claiborne just turned off the whole episode. I know. She's, she's like, like, I don't want to know about anything yeah. coming back up. Yeah. Well, nobody does. So I, you know what, though? I woke up the next morning and I had one day left at my conference, which was kind of mediocre and was like, you know what? I don't need to do this. I could go home and I Isn't just... Isn't that the greatest it really is. feeling yes. that you have ever... One time I was supposed to go on a trip to a thing and my flight was delayed for like seven and a half hours. Yeah. And I was just sitting in the terminal in, you know, 35 minutes from my house and I was supposed to go for one overnight to this thing. And then I was like, you know what? I'm a grown up. I don't have to do this. And I went home and it was really freeing, but also I still feel a little guilty about it. <laughs> I mean, there's a point at which it like literally just doesn't make sense. So anyway, it was kind of a bummer. But I, I will say the the greatest thing about Nashville that was really fun was, you know, that really sells itself as the city of music. Mm. And I love live music. And it was true. Like every restaurant and bar we were at had somebody singing yeah. up there. And I That's liked so that fun. a lot. I did. That's so fun. I love that. Yeah, it was great. It was great. So, Nashville, I'm not mad at you because of the pot chicken, but I will never it's eat true. it again. <laughs> well, I'll tell you the one other thing I want to say about va- vacations is that we went to the beach a lot, and my daughter went to the beach a lot, and um, she learned the joy of reading a book <sighs> on the beach. And, like, the first day we came home, she was like, we came back from the beach, she was like, Mom. That was amazing. I know. And I was like, yeah, right? That was amazing. And I read so many great books on the beach. Yeah, that's amazing. Perfect. Maybe we should do that. That should be an interstitial. Books Sarah read on the beach. (laughs) It'll just be me. 
What ties all these things together? (laughs) I do think, you know, I'm very envious in like a positive, not like a mean way of like the idea of spending like a month on the beach. I feel like every time I've gone to the beach, it's just been for like a week. And just as Mm -hmm. I'm sort of getting into the swing of it, it's like time to go home. And I really feel like, you know, going somewhere where you can stay several weeks is such a that's so nice. It's and it's I felt so lucky. I mean, like, we're yeah. so lucky that she has this like gorgeous right. house right there. I mean, right. it's literally when it's a two mile walk to, to the end of the beach and back to her house. So like, yeah. it's so fast if you just want to walk down to the beach. That's awesome. And I mean, like, who has that person in their life? We're just very lucky. My sister has, you know, achieved. <laughs> well done. <laughs> in the way that we have not. That but you we can, can benefit sort of from. Right. Glom onto it. So... All right. Well, welcome to Faded Mates, everyone. Yeah, I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels. I write them. I'm very tan right now. <laughs> you are. You're you're glowing. I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and critic, and I'm pretty pasty right now. I would not say glowing is like a verb, any or an adjective it's anyone would apply. Freaking hot where you are. Listen, it really has hot everyone. It was hot this week, but it has been a beautiful summer here. I feel guilty oh, about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Don't, because it's going to be a cold winter. I read this whole... Oh, no, I'm not going to talk about global warming. That's going to harsh everyone's mellow. Seriously. We're not doing that. Never mind. I read an article. It said everything's going to be great. So... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's what it said. It's totally what it said. All right. What's our topic this week? Uh, Jennifer, we're going to talk about books that start with a bang. And what I mean by that is fast, incendiary burns. Everyone... There's no place for slow burns. The world is burning. That's not what okay. the that is what the See article how said. you did it? See how you just, <laughs> just put my back right in? in? Yeah. Okay, it's fine. Yeah, we're talking about romance novel pacing. Yeah, we're yeah. going to do 112 degree reads and then we felt like maybe that was like taking too much of a it was taking global warming slightly too lightly. <laughs> so instead, we're just going to do fast burns. Every one of these books we talk about today starts with a bang. Now, how did you decide on start because yeah i that's just, a good question right you know so it's really funny okay let me talk about my process this week one of the things that i kind of struggle with is you know five years into this podcast i feel like i have books that are like my favorites that i always want to talk about sure and then i think i, I probably will, have one of those right and i'm kind of like maybe i should or shouldn't and i'm like maybe everyone's tired of hearing me talk about it and then i'm like whatever this podcast is free but i did want to talk about new books also, new reader, new listeners all the time. So, like, sometimes there's one that's a real deep cut. We talked about it first season. Okay. On my list. Um, so, I actually went with, like, two of the books I'm going to talk about are books where it is, like, uh, literally sex in the first chapter. <gasps> nice. And are they erotic or are they just sex? So, this is the thing that I want us to do. I want us to also, as we mention the books. Oh, also, Jen, I meant to say. Sorry, everyone. We're just going to have a moment. But I meant to say we had that note from somebody on the Discord that when we talk about the books, we should say the name of them again at the end. Oh, that was so smart. I know. I know. So we're going to try and and do that. Thank you. We heard it. Listen, we're pretty bad at this, even five years in. So we might forget to, but we're going to try. I also feel like, remember, everybody, if you have a smart podcasting app, if you look down, I don't know, there's usually a picture. The image changes to to the book we're talking about. So that also can help. So one is erotic romance. One I would just call romance romance. 
I think we should say, we should identify them as we talk, because I do, I was sort of surprised by how much just regular romance I was coming up with. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I, the other reason I picked these two in particular to kind of be the ones I really wanted to talk about, I have a bunch of others. Um, One that's like a novella, right? Like that are kind of more like one night stand books. Yeah. Can we start with one night stand, like as a concept? Because I don't think we've done a one night stand interstitial. Wait, yes, we have. Have we done them? I, I don't know. know. It's, it's I'm going to Google while you talk. About. Okay. So it's interesting, actually, because I recently did an editing job for someone who had started a book with a one-night stand, and I sort of, like, had some – it was a good opportunity for me to, like, frame out and think about what what the purpose of is, like, sort of starting with a one-night stand. We, we haven't done haven't, one. So we should do one sometime. Okay. So one of the things about a one-night stand is – You're really inverting what is the normal course of a romance novel, right? Which is like emotional intimacy leads to physical intimacy. So, right, in a a one-night stand book, like all of that gets inverted, especially if the sex is on page. Sometimes people take a shortcut where they kind of skip the sex at the beginning, like we know what happened, because it's really hard to put, you know, we... Sex is really symbolic in romance, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like it stands for something. It stands for this emotional intimacy often. And so it's like kind of like, well, where are we putting on page if that doesn't exist? So the, the, the trick then is like they have sex. They have this one night stand. And then the next day, one of two things happens. Number one is this person they thought was a stranger becomes someone important. Right. It's like the best man at the wedding or the my new boss or whatever. And then two, because of that relationship, there's some sort of proximity where I cannot ignore the person that I have this one night stand with. Right. Mm. So you essentially are like you super, back into the emotion of it. Yeah, exactly. So and, but it, there's no usually like there's no wait time. No, it has to be instantaneous when yes. they meet the next so person. So they have to meet the next person mm-hmm. and then immediately be like, and now I'm stuck in this place with them, the office, the wedding, whatever, so that there's no momentum lost, right? So the the way it typically is structured in romance, when it's a one-night stand, usually is like a – you can see it coming, I guess I'd say, right? Yeah. Can I add something to that? Yeah, then? of course. So I think that the other thing, the people who do this best, and I have a proposal for who I think actually does this best, um, but I, the people who do this best, I think the strat- the structure of it goes, um, well, I'm going to say, I think Sophie Jordan does this better than most writers. She loves to start a book with a bang. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, like I can name like five books of hers that yeah. begin with sex. Um, and the way that, but remember, I think I've said this before on the podcast. I definitely talk about it all the time in my conflict workshop. Oh, you can take that next week. It starts <laughs> yes. on Sunday. Um, but the, but Sophie is sort of famous for saying that like, when you put sex on the page, it has to happen at the very worst possible time. And it has to be the worst possible thing. And so what's interesting is when you think about the structure, if you think about sex in that way in a romance, right, then it makes sense that a fast burn would just like shoot like a bullet from a gun because 
the conflict is so amped up and so high from the the jump because it right. begins with sex. Right. 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 Like that's like the so like the sex has to be like intentional to the conflict of the book yeah. for it to start there. Yeah. Because otherwise you're not really starting in the right place. Right. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. So I think in a one night stand, though, like the promise of it is. Well, one night stands are structured in a way like the one yes. night stand has to be the problem. Right. Right. I mean, right. you think about, right. you know, secret baby often is the product of a one night stand. Right. Not always, but often is. And so it makes sense. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that they, I mean, I th- so I think like One Night Stand is like a subsection of like the fast incendiary burn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a book that I, it's a novella, um, the one that I wanted to talk about that's a One Night Stand. Uh, yeah, my favorite. That, I don't this, have a One Night Stand on my list. Okay, well, I will tell you this. I know I'm just this week we had the christina lauren thing my favorite one night stand book is a christina lauren book is beautiful stranger mm-hmm. which is they start they like meet in a club and have sex right and then like the next day find out like oh we work together essentially or like you know your best friend is my best friend like they're in the same social right, circles right. sure um and it's like hot throughout because they're like they continue to have sex but like all over the city but like in public places right like mm-hmm. there's like a voyeurism kink that's sort of built into it and then the hi big, lauren <laughs> but then the big payoff for it is um like the a big emotional payoff for it is that like she goes into his bedroom and then sees something really personal right so there's mm-hmm. a way in which, like, the publicness of it has, like, this really big pay- a payoff that I think is, mm-hmm. like, really perfectly done. Another book I really – a novella I really like that I think really, like – okay, here's the other thing I'm going to say is I think a really good one-night stand book to me – okay, this one is called Save the Date, and it's a novella by Annabeth Alpert and Wendy Qualls, Okay. And one of the things I really like about this this one, I think it's like really honest about like what like a one night stand is for a lot of people, which is like I'm going to a bar and I'm going to find someone to bang. Yeah, right. I mean, as opposed to just like we hit it off and like no, oh my god, I, I feel can't like getting I'm doing out this. of myself for a moment. Yes, and so I'm going to have sex with right. somebody. Exactly. And so a in, plus yes. fully support that. Yeah. So in Save the Date, um, Randall Young is essentially um he is a like a young like just graduated from college like virgin who spent most of his time in college i guess in like upper michigan so he's in portland i guess they grew up like an hour he and his sister grew up an hour outside of portland oregon and so like they're in portland having like a pub crawl and his sister's about to get married and he's basically like the man of honor but he's like kind of like I'm kind of a, like a nerdy, skinny, dorky virgin, and I just really would love to like just get this over with. And who does he find? <laughs> but Hunter Mitchell, who's like this Listen, really I love a hunter. Oh Hunter's god, a good romance novel name. Yeah, and he's a soldier, and he's just like sex on a stick, and you know, of course, be- his name is he- Destiny. Yeah, and he can only really 
kind of let loose when he's off base, right? Mm -hmm. So he is in this bar in Portland. It's really funny the way it starts is he kind of thinks he has someone on the hook for a hookup and and they leave. And then he like, it's honestly so sweet. He has this like memory of how, like he's kind of like like looking out at the crowd <laughs> and he's like, okay, there's, no, it's really funny, like they're the way they gauge the crowd. So uh, Randall, who has been in Upper Michigan for years, is kind of, college is like the way men are dressed here. Men in Michigan would laugh at. Like he can tell that there's something really, like it's like cosplay lumberjack almost. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But meanwhile, Hunter is like he's like notices there's a, a few like professor types, and he's like, oh that that's kind of like a kink I'm in, like I've had for a long time. And you think he's talking about the teacher, but then he tells a story. <laughs> this story about um Sarah, I don't know why I'm so charmed by this. Like his high school lab mate and how he's like this like geeky, like kind of like kid and like how Hunter was kind of into it. So when Randall and Hunter meet, Hunter is like literally like a hunter, like literally like this is gonna be the one, right? And then of course, the next weekend at the wedding, it turns out, right, that Randall is there for the Right. He's the best man. Uh-huh. And of course, right. So, so they have their one night stand and then like, boom, they're right back together. So it like perfectly follows the whole um, like the whole pattern I just described. And it's like just like super hot and like but really warm. I don't know how else to describe it. Like sometimes the way we think like sexy soldier out looking for a man is. And then instead he's kind of like turned on by this like little geeky guy. I don't know. The whole thing was really great. And it's also, it's short. It's maybe, I bet it's 120 pages. So it's also one of those great fast reads. And I think it sometimes like a short novella really delivers Right? Like the whole package to you. Like it knows what it's doing and it does it. So I really enjoyed yeah, yeah. this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love it. Those are, uh, that's great. Yeah. Big fan. Big fan. I mean, we'll, you know, we'll do a one night stand episode. Maybe we should. Yeah. So yeah. now I don't want to talk about that other one that we talked about at the beginning because, because I think we'll save it. We'll do mm-hmm. one night stands and we'll tackle them. I'll add it to the list. Yeah. Uh, I already put it on the list. Look at me. Per- perfect. Um, <laughs> Double trouble. All right. <laughs> I have two kinds of books I realized. Okay. Uh, that I I sort of can separate them into. Oh, wait. At the end, I was supposed to stay. That was Save the Date. Oh, yeah. All right. Bye. Annabeth Albert and Wendy Qualls. Sorry. Perfect. Okay. Look at you. Great job. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Rebecca James Hecking, author of The Romance Reader's Wellness Journal. Gentle nudges for your mental and emotional health and wellness as you log your reading journey. So, everybody, I love this. This is a actual paper book, kind of like a workbook, so you know I love it, created by a mental health coach for avid romance readers. Although, just side note, there's also one for general readers and mystery readers, because I think this would make a really good gift. And I know a lot of us are using Goodreads and other, or like keeping spreadsheets of like tracking our books, but I feel like those are often just very, um, you know, like perfunctory. I liked it, number of stars. And what this book has is space to rate and reflect on 50 books. 
So there's space for genre-specific notes, such as tropes and spice ratings. Um, But also there's like feelings, check-ins, and self-care prompts with every book entry. So it might ask you, you know, kind of about the book, but then also like, you know, kind of how are you feeling physically and mentally? And then a question that gets me every time I look at it, which is what non-reading self-care have I done for myself today? I didn't even know such a thing existed. And then every five or 10 books, there's a pause and reflect page that, you know, can ask you to think just about how the books themselves are making you feel or just like kind of self-care. So it really models simple self-care and mental health friendly reading practices. And I just think so many of our readers would really like the opportunity to like take a paper journal as like a and keep track of what you're reading. I think this is so cool, and I want one myself. It is the perfect gift, I think, as we are, like, heading into the holiday season, too. Yeah. So you can get one of these for yourself and for other readers in your life, whether they read romance novels or not, uh, on Amazon. And you can learn more about Rebecca at RebeccaHecking.net. That's H-E-C-K-I-N-G, RebeccaHecking.net. Thanks to Rebecca for sponsoring this week's episode. So I want to talk about Sophie. And I think that the, I think it's particularly because I want to talk about historicals. So I have three historicals on my list. And I think this is, this acts in a different way in historicals. And it is much rarer, I want to say, in, in historicals because one night stands come with or not one night stands, but like sex comes with like a much more dangerous proposition, right? Aside from obviously there's the like big air quote ruination issue, right? There's also like literal pregnancy. Like there's, there are, you know, a lot of things that come into play in historicals that do not come into play as much in contemporaries where characters are acting responsibly with each other. So, uh, I said I really think Sophie does this does this well, and the reason why is because you know we talk about this a lot as writers when we're all together. We say like, "Oh, you should just you should be writing the thing that you love the most," and I think it's very clear that this is a trope that she really enjoys. This sort of like start with a bang. So I want to talk about the rake gets ravished, which um, is. A, I think it might be, it's not her most recent book, but it is very close to her most recent book. So The Rake Gets Ravished is the second book in her Duke Hunt series. And the structure of this series is very fun in that, like, there is a duke who is the kind of, it's set in a in a small community outside in the British countryside. There is a duke who kind of owns the whole, all the, the town is, like, on his land. Mm-hmm. And... They keep dying. So there's this sort of hunt for the new Duke. And then there are all these different sentences. So, and then in each book, the conceit is that the person you think is the Duke is actually not, in fact, the Duke. Okay. Um, so, and it's very charming and fun in the way that Sophie's books always are. But in this particular situation, the heroine, Mercy, um, has lost her brother, who is, you know, a classic, like, romance novel dolt of a brother, has lost her family home oh boy. in a game of cards to the owner of London's most popular gaming hell. So 
we know I'm already in. Right. So, of course. but because her brother is a dummy, um, and there's so there's this like chit, or it's the I don't know, it's like the mortgage papers or whatever it is, doesn't matter, romance item. <laughs> Uh, that will save Mercy and save her family and basically make it impossible for this guy, Silas, also a very good romance novel name, to come essentially like to take the, the home, to prove that he owns the home. So she has to sneak into the gaming hell, into his private rooms Perfect. to steal the voucher that, you know, would indicate that, you know, right. he owns this house. Um, so she decides she's going to do it, and she has a whole plan, and he's definitely not going to catch her, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. I mean, Except, obviously not. <laughs> uh, so we meet her in chapter one, like, going, like, skulking. And then uh, guess what happens, Jennifer? Uh, does he find her? He finds her. <laughs> does he come in and with so her she, literal hand? Is there a cookie jar so, in yeah, her hand? Yeah, she's, like, it? in his rooms. And of course. he goes, uh, he's like hello and she's like and they have met before and she's like hello and you're in her pov it's perfect because you're in her pov and she's like oh shit what do i do and so she's like hello i thought we had a connection so i am here now for this whoa <laughs> he's like sure are you and you get the real sense that he's like this bitch (laughs) she doesn't she is not here for any of the she is definitely sneaky and then she so he's like how far is she gonna go jennifer all the way when i tell you she goes the whole banana and then she's like bye peace out and she (laughs) takes the voucher and is in the wind which you love right i love it right i love it yeah and so uh, but he's like, and then he does this thing. Listen, I'm realizing as I'm talking about this, this, this is m- one of my very favorite microtropes in a hero, where he's like, mother of God, I cannot, I do not allow people to steal from me. And therefore, yes. I must go after this woman and punish her. Yes. That's why we're going to be so, reading Dragonbound. Yes. Because <laughs> it's the best. Because it's yes. the best. Because he's like, on, on principle, yeah, I'm going to find you. He doesn't need that house, but he's definitely going after her. Yes. Not because he's hot for her at all, Jen. No. Of course not. No, of course not. He's never felt a feeling in his lifetime. Anyway, that's the rake gets ravished by Sophie Jordan. I also want to um I wanna and I say I talk about this one all the time, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get deep into it, but I want to talk about Virgin and the Rogue, which is also a Sophie Jordan book, where the heroine accidentally takes an aphrodisiac which was not intended to be an aphrodisiac. I mean, nobody does romance things like Sophie. Like, this is bananas. It's a banana setup. She has cramps, and her her sister's like, I have a tincture for you. And boom, she's hot for... She's just, like, in heat. It's Mm -hmm. hilariously wild. And then she's, like, in the dark, and it's chapter, I don't know, three, and she stumbles upon this, like rake in her parents household who is her mother's stepson or like so, like there there's yeah. like a relationship i can't remember exactly what the relationship is and she is like uh, help me and he's she's like i don't know what's wrong with me and he's like oh no i know exactly <laughs> i know wrong what's with wrong you. with you and then i, I am a rake <laughs> this is another part listen sophie should do a workshop on pov and how yeah. to how to use pov st- 
perfectly because in that situation, we're in his POV and it's the way the way she threads the needle on consent. Yeah. So they don't. It's great. They don't actually have sex in that scene, but it is so hot. Yeah. Because like she is so she is like in heat. Yeah. And he's like, I, uh, eh, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to do. And it's perfect and so blazingly sexy. And then, of course, they meet again, like, the next day in a lake. And she, he's convinced. And they, then they, like, kind of, it comes, it all, like, comes together. And uh, no pun intended. And he's convinced she's still, yeah. like, it must still be drugs. Of course, right. it's not. Now they're just right hot for each other. Of course. Now <sighs> it's just perfect. So anyway, that's <laughs> yeah. those two. That's Sophie Jordan. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think the thing about a historical is there the the setup really has to be convincing that the like social mores of the time would can just be like skipped over, right? Yeah, the and it's so much character work required in a historical. Yeah. This is why it's so difficult to do in historicals. I was thinking like I've never written a book like this. Yeah. And um and the reason and I mean now I'm like, "Oh, I should at some point like it would be a good challenge, but what's interesting about it is in a historical because there are so many pitfalls to yes. it. It's all character. Right. Like I, you have and you don't have any time. There's no leeway on the page. The reader has to be all in on motivation from, from the jump. word one. Yeah. Well, in and I, contemporary, yeah. you're a little freer because you can set, like, you can have somebody who's just like, I'm going to a bar to yeah, right. get laid. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the part that's, like, really interesting. I mean, just, like, for me personally, I'd like to clarify here. Like, I don't really... In- Joy a slow burn for pacing reasons. Um, I think for like two reasons, I've been like spending a lot of time thinking about it. And look, I'm not trying to convince anyone. I'm not trying to, you know, like harsh your mellow if you love this. Um, they're often not convincing because I feel like um, they don't like look like what I think real relationships in this century look like. You know, I mean, I think one of the things that's really interesting to me about romance in general is, you know, a lot of the 80s books, 90s books were like the heroine was definitely a virgin. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there was he was wooing her. Right. And there was like a clear progression of that. Um, it, Now you have characters who are sexually active and have been for their, you know, their adult lives. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm always a little and I know like some people don't find this like a compelling argument, but I'm like really kind of like I think sexually actually sexually active people are sexually active people. And so to have mm-hmm. them all of a sudden kind of both be like, well, oh, gee, I don't know. I just need months to figure this out or whatever. It kind of, you know, it never really like makes sense to me. So I think one of the things about these books that um, where characters like jump into bed immediately is it feels like um like it just presents a different set of problems for the relationship. And in this case, I mean, I think these are almost the extremes, right? Like these are almost the books where 
Um, I mean, I think like back to the slow burn, sometimes I think part of the reason I don't like it is like I want to think of like sex as being a, like a normal, natural part of their relationship and not a reward for the happily ever after. And sometimes when that's it's that last one, I'm like, this isn't kind of how this works usually for people, right? Right. That feels more puritanical than like one of them's a virgin and has to be a virgin, right? Yeah. So those are just like my like weird thoughts about why that often doesn't work for me, like on a theoretical level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in some ways, the the books I the rest of the books I want to talk about today are almost they're not really even like fast incendiary burns, like where they just like get to sex early. Like these are two books that lead with sex at, and I think kind of an extraordinary way. So one is an erotic romance and one is like what I would think of as like a regular romance. And I don't know if we want to like kind of revisit what those, like how we would define that or like. Yeah, I think that's fair. I have one more. What do you have? One more historical? I think I have one more. I have another historical and I have, and it's, it is my last, I think, romance. The rest of them are erotic. Okay. Why don't you talk? You want me to talk about. We want to talk about you, it because it's historical? Yeah. And yeah, then sure, I'll talk right. about my romance and then maybe we'll do erotic at the end. Okay. Sure. All right. So to your point about social mores, like you have to, with historicals, you have to believe, like the character work, right? Um, I just recently, on the beach, because um, I was in Rhode Island and I had been to Newport, I was like, I'm going to reread a Joanna Shoup mm-hmm. while I'm here. So I reread uh, The Duke Gets Even by Joanna Shoup, which is part of the Fifth Avenue Rebel series, the fourth book in the Fifth Avenue Rebel series. And I should say, uh, this is a book that is better read if you have read all the other books in the series, because Mm -hmm. this Duke has been basically heiress hunting the entire series. And each of the (laughs) other heroines in the series have been sort of possible matches for him and it's all very it's very amusing to see so yeah joanna kind of like in this book goes back a little bit and then shows the progression of his story over the course of the last however many books um and it's really clever and fun if you've read all the others um but this book begins with the line mermaids exist and it's fascinating because so we're in the hero's POV and he is staying in Newport at one of these like big summer cottages built by these like Gilded Age robber barons. And he is English and titled and here to save his estate and his family by marrying a very wealthy uh, New England or a very wealthy American heiress. And um, he swims. He swims every night at midnight in the Atlantic. Amazing. Like you do. Like you do. So uh, he is there. He is swimming. And he discovers while he is taking a midnight swim under the full moon that there is this like redheaded like siren in the water with him. And she is fully naked. And they like have – they do not – consummate but they have this like very hot this is chapter one they have this like incredibly hot meeting they don't share each other they don't share names with each other he's staying in a hotel somewhere mm-hmm. um and then he sort of says like and he's it's hot like joanna shoop does not shy away from any of this and he's basically like come back to the hotel with me and she's like no i can't do that for reasons 
Um, and then at, and in this conversation, sort of right away, he's like, you're swimming naked. What the heck? And they have this like very fun bantery moment where she basically reveals she has no intention of ever marrying. She is very happy to be like to sample all the wares. And he says, well, don't you worry about pregnancy? And she says, oh, no, condoms exist. Right. Like there are. And so Joanna kind of does this fascinating thing where she clears the deck yeah. of like all those historical things, right? She's right. like, this hero who is very starchy and would believably ask all of these questions has just asked them of this naked woman in the ocean. And this woman in the ocean has been like, these are all, like, these are just nonsense things. Like, yeah. these don't apply to me. Yeah. And he's like, uh, are you perfect? <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, <laughs> okay, and it's just like... yeah. So it's great. such a great example how, like, a great writer can really write you out of any trouble. Like, yeah. And so as a reader, you're just like, okay, this all checks out, right? So then um, you can read this book as a standalone, though. And the reason why is because, like, she sort of gives you the whole story anyway. But um, there is – so then he's like, okay, well, how I have to see you, like – because they he they want they're like we're hot for each other and she's mm-hmm. like yes I'm hot for you he's like I'm hot for you they're like great let's do this again tomorrow night and tomorrow night we'll be prepared to like you know do the business and so she's like great I'll meet you here tomorrow night so the next day comes and here is a problem <laughs> he is about to get engaged to her best friend in the world Whoa. and Nelly is not, in fact, a mermaid. She is a very wealthy heiress of in Newport who just doesn't want right, she's this not. life. Yeah. And is kind and is basically like thought by the whole world to be like a quote loose woman, right? Because right. at some point she was in a carriage alone with a man and nothing happened, but everybody Right. You know, but all the other girls in Newport society like decided that it was that she was not one of them. So there's like this whole, there's there's now a whole thing, right? And she's pissed. He's, of course, like, oh, no, she's my future fiancé, my, like, potential fiancé's, like, best friend. And so he pulls her aside and is like, we're not saying anything. And she's like, F off. I'm definitely saying something because I'm not going to let my best friend marry you, a person who would just, like, snog a mermaid. (laughs) Um, and so it's great. And it all sort of, again, all really like sorts itself out very quickly in the beginning of that book. And then it's just these two people kind of dancing around each other. Um, and he's so starchy and she's so, and they're so hot for each other, but like, she's very committed to not marrying and he, you know, is in desperate need of a wife and it all works out really beautifully. Yeah. In that way, the Joanna Shoup can do it. And that was The Duke Gets Even. The Duke Gets Even, the fourth in the Fifth Avenue Rebels series. Yeah. it's You can read it as a standalone. But, but I think like, it, it Why wouldn't you just yeah. read all of Joanna's books? Good question. Um, yeah, that's... I mean, I think it's really interesting how historical has to, like... It's character work, but, like, it takes a fair amount of, like, skill on the author's part to, like, set the stage by which you can clear the decks, right? Yeah. I mean, we talk so much about, I, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but governesses. We've also never done a governess episode, but the, 
You know, governesses are really interesting because my editor always used to say, like, she was famous in the first, you know, I don't know, four or five books. There were constant messages in the in the margins that were like, where is her governess? Question mark. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, these questions of like how our reputations being protected is this is just not a concern in contemporaries. Now, of course, 18 books in or whatever, I write a governess off the page instantly in every book. So, because I'm just like, I need to clear that deck. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Avon Books, publishers of Not That Duke by Eloisa James. So, In this one, Sylvester, the Duke of Huntington, has absolutely no interest in Lady Stella Corsham. Oh, I bet he's interested. Mm -hmm, Because he has convinced himself and lots of other people that he's in love with her friend. Um, And so he cannot possibly deal with that very, very attractive Stella, um, who, you know, shouldn't be so attractive because she's bespectacled and she looks at him with very stern consternation. Um, Anyway, Stella has a massive dowry and she has attracted a crowd of fortune hunting suitors. And this one has that great microtope where Sylvester goes uh, hunting them along the way and making fun of them and chasing them off. And then suddenly he's realizing, wait a second, I don't think I am in love with her friend. I think I might be in love with Stella. Amazing. And so he proposes marriage and then they're together. But Stella's not really sure. Like, is she really number one in his heart? And so he has to do a lot of work convincing her that she is. If you would like to know about this enemies to lovers historical romance with an unexpected marriage and opposites attract, you can check out more at Eloise's website, eloisajames.com. Not That Duke is available in print, ebook, and audio wherever books are sold. Thank you to Avon Books for sponsoring this week's episode. Um, I'm excited about this because this gives me, this topic gives me an opportunity to talk about a book I've been wanting to talk about for a while that I think is actually pretty extraordinary. All right. And that is the book, it's a contemporary called Bass Ackwards by Eris Adderley. You, you've told me about this book Yeah, before. I really love this book. Like, I've read, I've reread this book a couple of times because I just think it's doing something really interesting in that it is really, you know, I mean, if you're like, boy, I like a soft cinnamon roll and people who don't make mistakes and are just nice to each other, you should definitely not read this book. So it starts off with um, literally on the first page, Christina Lee is our um, heroine. And she's younger, like in her mid-20s maybe, and she works at – and I think this is another reason I really like this book. Again, it's very firmly middle class. She works at a, like, shipping and storage and, like, truck rental place that is, like, privately owned. It's not like U-Haul or whatever. And her boss is a guy named Bill Marshall, and he is just, like, a real asshole. Everyone, in fact, I think calls him, like, asshole Bill. (laughs) If I have that right, like people are just like, you know, like his employees, because he just really is not having any like, you know, he's never he never gives people time off. He never changes people's schedules. He's really intractable. He's just like, no, this is how we're doing it. So she um, puts on a dress and goes to work one day because she has to ask him a big favor. And she's kind of hoping I've read this right, hoping that maybe this will help him. And she, what she needs is the day off. She needs the next day off. And yes. we don't know why right away, but it turns out, like, her grandfather is a hoarder and he's having, like, he, she has to go help him do things on certain days 
Like, it, there's, like, no way around it because otherwise he's going to, like, lose his house or whatever. And she, like, she needs the day off. So she goes up to him and she's like, I need the day off tomorrow. And he's like, no. And she's like, Bill, don't be an asshole. Like, I really need the day <laughs> off. And he's like, no. And she's really like, no, I'll do anything. And he's like, anything? Okay, why don't you bend over and let me have, like, fuck you. Listen, this is not appropriate. You should definitely go straight to HR if this happens to you in real life. Yes. <laughs> like with, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, it's really interesting is she's like, fuck, I guess. Okay. And he, you can tell, is shocked. Like, I think he's just was trying to shut her down in the most ridiculous asshole way possible. Uh-huh. And instead, she's like, all right. Goes over, bends over this table. And then it's all in her point of view. It's like, why am I getting turned on by this? Right? Mm-hmm. What? She's like, I hate this guy. He's older than me. This is not okay. And yet I'm getting turned on by it. And then he's, <laughs> and then he says, like, kind of halfway through, he's like, you want the rest of the day off too? Why don't you let me fuck you in the ass? <laughs> and she's like, okay, I don't actually know how I'm going to go back out there and work. So I guess I'll say yes to this too. <laughs> and I've got to tell you, Sarah, I've literally never read anything like this in my life, right? No. And I'm like, and I think the 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 hook of this is how are you going to back out of this, right? Like you have set up something that there is like every thinking person is like, there's no way this is going to work out, right? And instead, yeah. so now as a romance reader, I'm very invested in like, how are you going to do this? Like, what is the magic trick that is about to be in- performed in front of me? And the magic trick is that Bill's been in love with her, right? And the way it's like he's sort of, it's it's great. Like, it's the second chapter when we get his point of view and it's over, right? And I think it's like essentially like the end of the workday. She's gone. And the line is, William's James Mar- William James Marshall was flat out stupid in love with Christina Lee Dodd. And not just because she'd let him have a piece on the table in the back half of the office. No, this had been going on for a while. <laughs> right? And so then you get this guy who is like, I don't know what to do because I... Now I've read yes, it. Right. Any real chance with her. So maybe I should just keep having sex with her. Right? So he, it's, and he, so then he offers her a raise. Like, I'll pay you more money and we'll do this if we can do this once a week, I think is the term. So it's a sex deal. Right. And the way he like finally gets her then is like a couple weeks go by without anything happening. And he then is like, how many hours have I saved up? I want you to come to my house. Right. And so you slowly get like the emotional intimacy of this completely fucked up beginning Mm -hmm. um and like i said like i listen people out there in the universe many of you will hate this book i am in no way suggesting this is a book for everybody um because i could i could absolutely see lots of people being like none of this is okay right and i'm not saying it is but i am saying like i I truly believe that by the end these two people right had moved past whatever it was that started this into yeah. a place where they could trust each other. Yeah. And I think, like, that's the thing. Like, I, I know the we're at the in the height of the self-insert is back, right? There's no part of me that ever read this book thinking, like, what would I do? Like, right? Like, it's about Christina and Bill. And yeah. so I was really into this book. I think it's brilliant. I think 
the way that it's written is so fascinating to me because it's going to push every single one of your buttons about women in the workplace, about respect, about how we should be treated, about like sexual favors. I mean, like Mm -hmm. it's totally fucked up, but I think that it really is effective in the way that it eventually really deals with all this stuff. Mm. So I think this book is, again, like, in terms of a hot incendiary burn, like doing something where, again, like it's leading with sex that is basically unforgivable or should be. Yeah. And yet they're both into it. And so, like, what's going to happen next? It's yeah. great. I think it's great. Did you ever read Jane O'Reilly's series from Karina? Was it like Pleasure The first principle? one is The, pre- the Pleasure yes. Principle. Um, I did not intend to talk about it today, but you just made me think about it. So I apologize, everyone, if it's not like a super, if it doesn't happen right away. But it's only, it's short. It's a novella. So it definitely happens fast because it's a sexy book. Um, But it's a similar set. Well, it's not a similar setup, but this boss thing, right? The taboo of boss secretary or boss, you know, whatever. It feels like when that finally happens... It feels like actually boss assistant can't be a slow burn in the same way because the proximity of the two characters and the fact that they have this like power dynamic has to push the sex to the front. The only the thing that often happens is we're starting where they're starting right like they've been working together for however long but that's not a page right yeah you get we're skipping to that page yeah and it feels like that's that's the way it is it's like you know you think about all of the all of the boss assistant books we did a whole episode on it so you can go back and look but i think that that's really what we're dealing with is like it's it's that inflection point the moment when it shifts yeah um and that pleasure principle book i really love a lot because the heroine in that book has just been broken up with by her like shitty boyfriend and he says um you're not good in bed like fundamentally i don't i don't want to be with you i don't you know, for lots of reasons, he's also just an asshole. Like, right. And then he's like, but not to mention the fact you're not good in bed. And it consumes her, right? Like, she becomes mm-hmm. overwhelmed by this possibility that she is bad in bed. And what does that mean for her in the future? And so she says it sort of like in a kind of fit of peak to her boss. Yeah. And he's like, well, I have these orgies at my house. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? Like, he just happens to. And so he's like, you should come. You should come to one of them. And he's, like, cold and kind of, you know, really, like, impenetrable. And she is like, "Uh, okay. And so she goes. And he, like, lords over it, right? Like, from up on high. And he doesn't. He's like a club owner. Like, he doesn't participate. He just watches. And she comes in. And he's like... No, when I said you should come, I meant, like, I'll teach you. And then it becomes, like, sex lessons, which it's terrific. Listen. Sure. It's terrific. Even if, I mean, like, it, listen, it's a fast burn. It, I mean, it has to be by virtue of what the story is. So, yeah. A plus. It, it was published by Karina UK. So, I don't know. There's It's, like, a funny thing how to get it. But I'm sure you all can find it. You're uh, I will, if you guys just go to the show notes page and there'll be the link to wherever you can buy it. Uh, 
So I wasn't going to talk about that, but uh, but now I have three books that are all related to sex work. Okay. Mine is not that, but a kind of maybe, sort of. She's like, well, okay, you go. Well, let's talk about erotic romance now. Like, what's the difference here? The defining line. Oh, yeah. Line. Well, I mean, that Jane, Jane O'Reilly book yeah. is definitely erotic. Yeah. So we've talked, we did a whole episode on erotic romance with Nikki Sloan, who is yeah. well known as an erotic romance writer. Um, and I think what we netted out at is in an erotic romance, the sex has to be relevant yeah. to the plot like it has and it always sex always has to be relevant to the plot but like without the sex the book would just not be the book be a book right i think in in is the best way to describe it and i don't just mean like there would be no page count i mean like right it literally like the sex is integral to the story without yeah. it there is no story um and so uh, and we talked in that episode about how there are books that feel erotic in and, you know, have very few sex scenes in them. Yeah. And there are books that, you know, feel that are not, you know, that are romances and have lots of sex scenes in them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I think um, I think it was Jennifer Porter who said said it a way I really liked once, which was essentially something like um it's integral to the plot, but it's also that like these two people are going or these these people, not just two, maybe these people are going on a journey together and like sex is part of the the like the venue of discovery. Yes. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And I think that's like another way to talk about it. If you're like, what does it mean integral to the plot? Right. Like whatever it is they're discovering about themselves and each other, sex is part of the way that they're doing that. Yes. Agreed. So my first one, and I'm it's really like a I'm gonna wave it away a little bit, is the master. Oh, um my right? Yeah. Uh Sophie uh Sophie Jordan. Uh Cressley Cole's The Master, which is the second in her um what's that series called? What's wrong with me today? You know, it's how it goes. The her mafia series. Sure. I'm like, <laughs> I, I actually don't even know. Called. Right. Like um so those Russian uh, guys. That's those Russians. Series. Yeah. So um the second in the series, the heroine is an escort. Is a she's an escort, but she's a reluctant escort in the sense, or she's not intellectually reluctant, but she's never done this before. Um, but she's very beautiful and um she cleans houses for a woman who is an escort and right. who is in a bind. And needs somebody to go and service uh, this Russian billionaire <laughs> who's also super duper hot. You know, like, yeah, this is all real. So and so she says, if you go, you know, you'll get paid however much. There's this whole discussion in the very beginning of the book of like the codes, the like how, you know, Cressley, we talked about this in the first season, but like Cressley does such a good job about, you know, where like money and power Heroines who take money and take power as part of the deal um, yeah. and who are, like, overtly interested in claiming money and power and space. And I think this heroine does that really well. Um, but anyway, the whole legend of this guy is he only ever has uh, one escort at a time. Like, and that's one, it. He has, one and done. He has it yeah. one time and then, like, never calls that person again. And so she goes and she like gives him lip and fascinates him. And then they do it and it's incredible. 
And he can't stop thinking about her. And then he calls her again and again. And she's like, no way, no how, I'm not doing it again. Not for any, you know, opposition to sex work, but because she's like, that guy was a jerk. I don't want to have anything to do with him. And then all of a sudden, he like uses his billionaire powers to, you know, find her, summon her, have her again and again and again. And then he just like showers her with sex and wealth. And then there's a mystery in the background. Yes. To keep the pages turning. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. And it's delicious. It's a delicious book, especially because it has, you know, a hero who a lot of romance readers, myself included, have been sort of conditioned to love, which is um, a hero who swears that he'll never love, swears that, like, there is no such thing as a woman who will ever appeal to him for more than, like, the obvious and then he just simply cannot stop thinking about her and will literally move heaven and earth to have her and protect her and keep her and love her. Yeah. So the other thing about this book is it. I think it's like a really smart – if you're like, how can I do snowed in with no snow, right? So they're like up in this penthouse in Miami. They're beautiful outside. And he locks her right? in. And he locks her in. And then like the whole middle of the book is them – being in the penthouse together. Yep. So she's also this is our chastity book, our oh, chastity yeah. belt bu- book. Everybody who googles chastity belts and ends up at faded mates. Here's another time. Here's another mention. <laughs> that was the master by Cressley Cole. You know, you mentioned one and done, so I'm gonna like throw out another book that I've probably mentioned before. And this is like one of those books that. Like, you know how you have books where you're like, I just love this book. I don't know why. I don't even really want to dig into why. But, like, it just, like, you know, like, pushes your buttons. And this is a Mm -hmm. book called One and Done by Cynthia Sachs. Oh, I love Cynthia Sachs. Gosh, me too. I And I love love this book because I think it's – I think, honestly, it's just the beginning of it. So Janella is the heroine, and she has figured out that her boyfriend is cheating on her. So she goes to the bar where she knows he is she knows he is and she's gonna like essentially confront him and, and through some like kind of weird like kind of confluence of events she ends up like um confronting him with the help of the bar's owner and his name's like smoke or something hilarious and great and he at one point i will like never forget this this is when i was all in in this book she's like really like you know, I can't believe that you are treating me this way and you're cheating. And Smoke is like, this woman is smoking hot. What is wrong with you? Right? Which is kind of observing, like, her outrage is sort of spiraling. So at one point, he hand- he's like, I think you need this. And he hands her a drink. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. like, thank you. And she drinks it. And he was like, I thought I meant you were going to throw it at him. <laughs> like, right? Like, he just had this, like, totally different intention for it. And the thing about Smoke is that he is also one and done guy, right? I'm one and done. And once I'm once that happens, it's over. And so since um Janella leaves that night, and at some point, like they go out again and uh like they have sex. And she kind of like lures him into it. I think she gives him a blowjob, right? Like she's just like so into being with him and like the sex is great. It never was with this previous boyfriend. And she's just like, this is awesome. Let's do it. And then at the end, he's like, well, now you've ruined it. I can't ever see you again. Like, we just did it. <laughs> and I love it. I did too. Like, and again, like, I just think this book, there's something about the way her, she's so disarming. Like, right. She really disarms him. Um, and I think it also forces him to really then like, 
confront, like, why do I have this rule and why am I still drawn to her and why do I want to be with her even though I've told myself that this is, like, the life I want? It's great. I love it. Um, That's One and Done by Cynthia Sachs. Again, like, one of those books that just has really stuck with me. I've definitely, like, reread it a couple times, especially that first scene at the bar. <laughs> Sorry, I ruined it. The, he holds hands her the drink and she drinks it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's I'm awesome. going to read that this afternoon. It's so that fun. great. Yeah. Um, let me think. So let's go to Escorted by Claire Kent, which I've taught, which I talked about in the in season one, but we have a lot more listeners now. Um, we did hold as a read along. So, you know, about Claire yeah. uh, and, and how much we like her here. Escorted Claire Kent has a real Charlotte Stein vibe for me. Um, she just does intense emotional work with her characters so well um escorted is an escort book uh the hero the heroine is a very 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 famous romance novelist like to at the level you're sort of she's like a placeholder for el james in a lot of ways like it's Mm -hmm. like she she wrote a book that just like made her stratospheric and she travels the world like being this like famous romance novelist but and it was extremely sexy and great except uh she's a virgin and so she decides that because of the situation with like how she is in the world and her like public persona it's very difficult for her to imagine like finding a like having a real relationship like finding somebody who cares about her for her and But and also she's like, I want to do this. Like, I want to I want to lose my virginity. I want to throw off the yoke of, you know, whatever this is. Virginity is a construct. But this is the premise of this book. So um, her name is Lori. And so her friend is like, "Okay, well, I have a solution for you. Why don't you hire a male escort? Here's his name. People love him. Um, And she does. And he comes and uh, to to like they meet in a hotel room and the very first sex scene is like very perfunctory yeah right it's his job and he is like here are all the things what do you like and she is like i don't know what i like and he was like okay well we'll figure out what you like and there's this very hot it is very like kind of weirdly hot first sex scene because it's I think it's incredibly hot because it sort of really leans into consent. Like, he's mm-hmm. constantly checking right. in with her. He's constantly making sure that, like, what he's doing is for – is pleasuring her and pleasing her. And that is a compelling – it's compelling, yeah. as a, like, for a reader. Um, and then also – but at the same time, it's – I say weirdly because at the same time, it, there's a very constant sense we're in her head. And there's a constant sense of, like – this is a transactional experience. Um, yeah. But then, and so she decides, she intends for it to be one and done. Um, but then she has such a great time. Like, she feels so yeah good. And also so aware of what she does not know. Yeah. That she's like, I would like to hire him again and again. Of course. And again. And then they become, she becomes a regular client. And then it becomes very clear that, like, she is falling hard for him. And what is she going to do? Because he is 
you know, he's so, like, this is such a transactional experience, right? Like, how do you shift the relationship? And is it possible to shift the relationship? Like, does he feel the same way? And this has one of my favorite microtropes for escort romances in it, which, again, is, like, in hindsight, like, I appreciate that it's, like, my reptilian brain being, like, slightly problematic, but I don't know what else to say about it, um, which is uh, it becomes clear by the end that he has stopped taking all other clients and basically saved all of her money. Like, he's never spent a penny of the money that she's paid him um, because he's so into him or he's so into her. And listen, I love that. I mean, I don't know what to say. I Sex work is work. And like... I don't know what to say, but I do love it. And so there it is. That's Escorted by Claire Kent. Okay. I have one more that I think um, would definitely be like boundary pushing for a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also really enjoyed it. And it is um, called Queen of Dust by H.E. Dare. And this is actually a pen name for Hannah Ernest, who is, full disclosure, a friend of mine. I had nothing to do with this book, but I... um, Really liked it. And I really loved her first book. We I put on like the best of list, which was that one that I always referred to as being like, um, if a star was born, had a happy ending. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is a sci-fi romance. And it's kind of like if Jesse Mihalik books really banged. <laughs> and the oh. opening of this book is that Mara Lehner, um is essentially she's something her. She actually has like a title. Um, she's a Balti tempstress. And what that means is Balti was this like uh, planet where um, it's got like a real tragic background that we learn about pretty fast. But she's like one of the last people from her planet. And in this planet, like pleasure was really everything. And at one point, like she talks about how like she talks about as a child, like people assumed that her upbringing was sexual. And she's like, it wasn't. It was just like I was really encouraged to like do the things that brought me pleasure, whether that was like swinging really high in a swing or eating a lot of candy. Like, right. Like there was and I was Mm -hmm. there was nothing wrong with that. And she has been in a long term kind of relationship with this man named Liam, but It seems very, um, like, they care about each other. It's not like love. It seems almost more like a a mutually beneficial, like, kind of arrangement between the two of them. And he's, like, some big wig in space stuff. I don't know. Space fossils. Anyway, the opening scene of this book is really fascinating because she, like, walks in and she sees Liam with another woman and she cannot have any like response to this because she knows everybody's looking at her and her first instinct is to think that he's like kind of punishing her or shaming her somehow right like that by doing this in front of everyone or in some sort of public part of the ship that um she and she remembers back to like a a conversation that they had that morning where they're in like deep space and she said she's kind of bored and so she's like kind of trying to make sense this when he all of a sudden like a door opens and this soldier comes in and she has just had an interaction with him outside in the hallway and liam is like don't worry i've thought about you too so you're gonna get with this guy in front of everybody (gasps) and she is like oh okay my great like at first he's at first when he says you'll have a turn too he thinks she thinks she thinks Liam means with the woman who's pleasuring her well then you know 
pleasuring him will then pleasure her. She's like, okay, that sounds great. But she's like, no, it's this guy. Boom, right? The door opens. And she understands that, like, it's almost like a test, right? Like, so her job is to be pleasured by this man for Liam's pleasure, right? Mm. And yet she's, like, really turned on by it and she kind of can't figure out why. And so it's, like, this really interesting scene. And then, like, she and Liam kind of after this all goes down in the first couple chapters are behind closed doors. And what he tells her is kind of two really key pieces of information. Cal is this guy, um, is a prince or, like, a, a, a is part of, like, this culture that is the opposite of pleasure-seeking, right? Like, they're very, you know, locked in and they have, like, these rules and they're not supposed to find pleasure ever. And um, also that Liam's about to go on some big trip and he's really worried that she needs somebody to take care of her. So Cal is her new bodyguard and she's welcome to sleep with him whenever she wants to. (laughs) Right? So the setup is almost like this was a test to see if there was some sort of chemistry between them. But also like Liam is like, right, like I'm going to leave, but, you know, you're going to need someone and I need to make sure you're safe. Because the other than like sort of big part of the story is they're going back to this planet. And her planet, unlike like Krypton, which is what I thought would first happen, it wasn't like literally like destroyed. It was, there was something that was like let off on the, it was called a P-bomb, a poison bomb. So everyone on the planet died. But then like 10 years later, the poison dissipates. And then like a colonizing force led by Cal's like people kind of were able to go in and take the planet. So she's, like, a victim of colonization, and, like, his kind of planet was responsible, and so there's all this tension between them. And, like, then you've got the added level. I mean, I thought it was really doing a lot of interesting things. Um, But I think, you know, like, Liam is a kind of stays in the picture kind of throughout the end. And it's not really a love triangle. It's not like I ever really worried she's going to get back together with Cal, or with Liam, sorry, but I just was like, how is this going to work out? Again, I was very curious about kind of that feeling of like, what's this setup and how's it's gonna how's it gonna work out? So, and because Cal is from this like real repressed society, his whole like sort of journey to like really wanting to be with her is also kind of intense and very hot. Amazing. It was amazing. It was great. I loved it. I'm gonna I'm gonna read that. What's it called? Queen of Dust, and it's a Karina, another Karina book. Oh, fun. Yeah. H.E. Dare is Hannah's pen name for that one because it was real sexy. All right. Yeah. You know, that made me think I I also was not planning on talking about these books, but uh, if you're interested in this, like, space, alien, other planets, etc., Fast Burn is, like, almost too little a description of those Robin Lovett Oh, yeah, Planet, Planet of Desire Planet books. Planet of Desire books, where alien uh, spaceship crashes on the planet, and the planet's atmosphere is an aphrodisiac, and if you don't have sex, you will die. I mean, you've got to <laughs> do it. Can I tell you the best thing that happened to me? Oh, actually, you know what? I'm going to save that for banter. I'll save that for banter. Um, I'm going to write it down. Don't forget. I'm going to write it down right now. Uh, we do a Banter Plus episode every month on uh, the Patreon, everyone, which you can join at fadeofmates.net slash Patreon. And sometimes Jen saves 
Well, she always saves topics for that. So. Yeah, well, sure. Because, they're, you know, banter. It, it's basically banter. I mean, we always talk about books, too, but it's basically banter. It's like an hour and a half of full banter. So if you want that, that's available to you. Um, all right. I My final one is The Club by Lauren Rowe. Um, so The Club is four books. And then there are, like, there's a spinoff series from The Club, which is about different characters from The Club. So it's four books, same, char- same characters. There are some cliffhangery things. It's really interesting. It's a, it's a really interesting structure, this series. Um, it fully does not matter, the external plot to this series. Sure. It is really just there to keep pages turning. Um, but uh, the first three books are, like, an overarching kind of mystery and then the fourth book is an extended epilogue that is just like almost book length and also just like pure sex all the way through so like listen if you just want like a full-on one-handed read that's the one but I want to talk about this series because the start of this series is pretty great um the hero uh is I think his name is Jonas, um, is um, just like, he just likes to have sex. He just likes to. He likes women. He likes to make women come. Like, he's just a dude who wants to do it a lot. Um, Amazing. He's very wealthy. He's a, a you know millionaire. Um, and so he applies. He's heard about this, like, club the club where you can become a member and then they basically match you with like potential partners and you meet wherever you know you go to like these high-end restaurants or high-end bars to meet your matches and you wear like you wear sort of a discreet bracelet and then like they tell you kind of like what color bracelet you're looking for in the bar so it all feels very like easy and like you know, private. Yeah. Um, but in order for you to get membership to this club, you have to fill out a like form that basically talks about all of your particular proclivities. Um, and so he talks in the form about like how he loves giving women pleasure and he loves going down on women. And like, he's never met a woman he can't give an orgasm to. He's like pretty arrogant. And then he realizes like the person reading the form is probably like, is probably a woman. He like predicts that this is, you know, probably a woman. And so he writes a personal note to her that's basically like, did this get you off? Like, did we? And it, you know, I mean, listen, this is Sarah and I love epistolary anything. So I'm already in, right? And he writes this like personal note to her that's like, I bet this made you hot. And like, you're welcome, essentially. Like, <laughs> such an arrogant sure. jerk. Um, the heroine, whose name is also Sarah, and this should give you a sense of um, how much I enjoyed this book because I have a lot of difficulty reading books with main characters than, who have the same name as me. Um, but the she is like, holy crap. Like, it switches POV in, season, in episode two, episode, in, uh, in chapter two, and she's like, she is hot. Yeah. Like, she has gotten hot from this. And she's also like, how is this even this person even possible? So she writes him back a message that's like, jokes on you. <laughs> I've never been able to have an orgasm with a partner. Uh, so I don't think that you would be very good. I don't think you're as good as you think you are. Like, I think there are women you cannot mm. get off. And he's like, 
challenge accepted. Of course. But here's what's really fascinating about this book. The first book, which is extraordinarily hot, is basically the exploration of sex from the perspective of, with the perspective of a heroine who literally has, it is incredibly difficult for her to come. So, like, yeah. they do this. So, like, there is a constant sense of, like, she, like there are many, 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 many mo- sex scenes from the very jump on this book where he is trying very hard. He's doing his damnedest, Jen. <laughs> what a hero. What a hero. And, like, she she just can't. Like, biologically, she there are, she cannot. And so, um, ultimately, she does. But it is it is a long it takes a long time. They have to be really patient. They have to build a lot of trust between each other. It's it feels very emotional and it's it's super erotic, right? Like yeah. the internal conflict here is these two people having to learn to trust each other to the point where she is able to have an orgasm with him. Mm-hmm. And so that's really interesting and really emotional. And then, uh, but also for those of you out there who love this microtrope, I'm going to give it to you. Um, He at some point decides like he, part of the reason why, like he keeps coming first. Like he keeps like, he can't hold it back. Like he's, you know, they'll go three hours and then like he can't stop himself. And so finally he's like, I'm not going to come until you do. And that sort of like, resistance adds a whole like level of eroticism to their sexual like relationship and it's great and then at the end like there's some drama with the club and then the next book happens and then there's more drama with the club and then it just goes on and on and they're you know whatever you can keep reading them there's lots of sex in all of them but like the first one's great and yeah that's lauren rose the club i mean i think we did a a nice job covering lots of different types of books today. I think so, too. Heroes. <laughs> Sheroes. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. Um, okay. Uh, I, I already talked about the podcast. Oh, no. The, I already talked about the Patreon. I have a book coming out, everybody, uh, at the end of August. It comes, Knockout comes out August 22nd. If you are in New York City, please think about joining me on August 24th for my launch party, which is, I'm, I, when they offer, when Avon said we should do a launch party, where do you want to do it? I was like, can we just do like a real party where people come and we talk about romance novels and we just have drinks and like hang out? So we're going to be at the book club bar on August 24th, which is both a bookstore and a bar. And they're creating Perfect. a knockout, a Hell's Bells themed cocktail. And there's a special Hell's Bells playlist. And like, it's just going to be a fun time listening to music and talking about books with each other. Um, Avon said I had to answer some questions. So Aaron Leaf, our friend so from fun. Learning the Tropes, is going to come and ask like three questions and then we're just going to hang out and have a good time. Sarah, you need to stop releasing books the week I go back to school because how am I supposed to go to New York when I have... Terrible. I it's terrible. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. It's fine. I'll fix it. I don't know I'm what jealous. Um, I'm sad that you can't join me. I would like to do... I would like to do a release with you sometime. 
We'll find a way, Sarah. And you also will be at the Yale Romance Conference. Oh, yeah. Adriana There's and I. There's some fun stuff happening yeah, the first couple weeks. Stuff. We'll put it all in show notes. But I'm going to be I'm going to be at the Yale Popular Romance Conference with Adriana um, and also at that conference. So Adriana and I are teaching a like basic writing the romance class, which will be very fun. And then also at this at that conference, I'm doing a panel with Julie Moody Freeman from the Black Romance podcast about oral history and romance and like keeping and the Trailblazer series, essentially. Um, and then I'm in North Carolina for the bookmarks, a bookmarks event with uh, Kennedy Ryan and other places too. Oh, and I'm uh, I'm keynoting the Sarasota Book Festival. Exactly. So many fun things. So if you're in Florida, find me there. Uh, I will be keynoting in my seventh grade classroom starting. Listen, you could find Jen keynoting in her classroom. That might be weird <laughs> if people showed up for that, but please don't everybody. It'd be real weird. <laughs> uh yeah, but also, yes, please pre-order. Yeah. And lots of places to see Sarah. So we will put all of that in show notes, everybody. Until and then. And we gotta figure out when our next our next Fade of Mates Live is. I know. I know. We will. I promise. It's on my list. It'll be in the spring, probably, everybody. Because Jen's busy. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know what to tell you. And we everybody. haven't we haven't achieved total world domination to the level where Jen doesn't have to teach seventh grade anymore. It's true. I do, and I also like teaching the you seventh like graders. You like teaching seventh grade. <laughs> I know, they're so great. They're the best. You know, it's funny because somebody was like, do you do the spelling bee? And I was like, yeah, it's school. It's a seventh graders. I don't even do it on my own. That's like a group activity I do with the children. Oh, that's so fun. Did you see there's a new one? Yeah, new Connections. It's cool. Sarah, there is in our Discord a New York Times games channel, and we all post our results every day and then shit talk whether really? or not we thought it was good. Why haven't I seen that? I'm going to go look at it. I don't Listen, know. Listen, there are so many subgroups in that in that I Discord know, it's now. Fun. But I really like Connections. I am very bad at all the other ones, so I am very good at Connections. So that is, I'm very glad the New York Times has uh, finally <laughs> given me a game that I can succeed at. <laughs> well, that's actually part of people I think part of its charm is that it's like a game a lot of people feel success at so yeah all right are you saying that I'm basic Jen is that your way of saying I'm not saying but Slate had an entire article about how that game is too basic yeah, they're like it's too easy, I mean, and I was like, "Well, that's- sign me up for being <laughs> basic, then." <laughs> All right. Um, well, thanks everybody. Uh, have a great week, enjoying fun things to read, and we will see you next time. 